This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Receiving the Spirit Through Study and Observance. In the first half, we will hear from Mark L. Pace with his BYU devotional address entitled, His Sheep Still Hear His Voice. Then in the second half, David A. Bednar shares his BYU devotional address entitled, Quick to Observe. As I have been reading in the Doctrine and Covenants this year, along with Come Follow Me, I have noticed how frequently the Savior bore witness of Himself in those early revelations. Behold, He said, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I am the life and the light of the world. The Savior knew what was coming in the lives of Joseph Smith and his associates. He knew that they would need a strong witness of Him and His divine mission. A testimony of the Savior confirmed by the Holy Ghost was foundational to the saints in the early days of the Restoration, and it is foundational to us today. I want to share with you my testimony of the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father. Under the direction of the Father, He created this world. His atoning sacrifice makes possible the immortality and eternal life of man. The Holy Ghost confirms these truths to me, and by the power of the Holy Ghost ye may know the truth of all things. The early Latter-day Saints needed that confirming witness of the Holy Ghost often, but one day when it was especially crucial was August 8, 1844. Six weeks earlier, the Prophet Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram had been martyred. Mob violence was threatening, and the saints were without their beloved leader. There was no precedent to tell them how the Church would move forward and who would lead them. On that August day, in the midst of this anxiety and uncertainty, thousands of Latter-day Saints gathered just to the east of the Nauvoo Temple. Sidney Rigdon spoke to the saints in the morning and proposed that he lead the Church as its guardian. At two that afternoon, the saints reconvened, and Brigham Young, the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, addressed the assembly. He declared, There has been much said about President Rigdon being president of the Church, but I say unto you that the Quorum of the Twelve have the keys of the kingdom of God in all the world. I tell you in the name of the Lord that no man can put another between the Twelve and the Prophet Joseph. Why? He has committed into their hands the keys of the kingdom in this last dispensation for all the world. The Spirit rested on the saints. They knew that what Brigham Young had said was true. How did they know? They knew by the influence of the Holy Ghost. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus explained, and I know them and they follow me. At least 95 people recorded or shared their sacred feelings and experiences from the afternoon of August 8, 1844. Here are a few. And as you listen, see if you notice some common elements among them. Emily Smith Hoyt, age 37. Sidney Rigdon made a speech and claimed to have authority to lead the Church. Others had similar claims. None appeared reasonable to me. 
But the God of heaven sent President Brigham Young home just in time and clothed him with the spirit and power which had rested on Joseph. If anyone doubts the right of Brigham to manage the affairs for the saints, all I have to say to them is this. Get the Spirit of God and know for yourselves the Lord will provide for His own. Jacob Hamblin, age 25. I attended a general meeting of the saints. Elder Rigdon was there urging his claim to the presidency of the Church. His voice did not sound like the voice of the true shepherd. Brigham Young spoke to the congregation. The people, with few exceptions, visibly saw that the mantle of the prophet Joseph had fallen upon Brigham Young. I arose to my feet and said to a man standing by me, That is the voice of the true shepherd, the chief of the apostles. Philemon Christopher Merrill, age 24. Sad was the day when the saints met by a call of the apostles to a grove east of our beloved temple. For where was the Good Shepherd? We were left alone, as we thought, with none to lead us. It was a gloomy time, but when President Brigham Young arose and said to the people, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, the Spirit of God rested upon me, and I received a testimony at that time that upon Brigham Young rested the authority of the Holy Priesthood. George Romney, age 12. When the man of God, as the people knew him, was taken away, they did not know what would become of them, but they knew the shepherd's voice. Sidney Rigdon and the others said, I am the man, I am the man. But it did not take. The sheep knew better. When Brigham got up, the mantle of Joseph Smith fell on him. This is true that the mantle of Joseph did fall upon Brigham Young, and the people knew it. Wilford Woodruff, age 37. They were addressed by Elder Brigham Young, the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. The spirit of wisdom and counsel attended all his teachings. He struck upon a chord with which all hearts beat in unison. Here was Sidney Rigdon and other men rising up and claiming to be the leaders of the Church, and men stood, as it were, on a pivot, not knowing which way to turn. But just as quick as Brigham Young rose in that assembly, the power of God that was upon Joseph Smith was upon him. He had the voice of Joseph, and it was the voice of the shepherd. That afternoon, the influence of the Holy Ghost rested on the saints. These were the true sheep of the true shepherd, and they recognized his voice. It was the familiar voice of the Spirit. So when they raised their hands to sustain the leadership of the apostles, they did not just sustain with their hands. They sustained with their whole souls. They were willing to make any sacrifice to do whatever was asked of them. Following the prophetic leadership of Brigham Young, they finished the construction of the Nauvoo Temple and received their endowment. They eventually left Nauvoo and traveled over 1,200 miles to the Valley of the Great Salt Lake. They accepted mission calls and preached the gospel around the world. They raised their families and built up Zion in the Rocky Mountains. Many accepted calls to leave the Salt Lake Valley and establish new communities, hundreds of them, throughout what became the western United States. Why did they do all of this? Because they had received the Holy Ghost, which changed their hearts and made them new creatures. Their lives and their experiences might sound very different from yours, but they are not. 
These were saints who recognized and followed the promptings of the Holy Ghost, and so are you. They were saints of great faith, and so are you. The same spiritual power, the same gift of the Holy Ghost that they received is available to you. It has always been and continues to be a central blessing of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Consider what the following accounts indicate about the importance of the Holy Ghost. On Friday, November 29, 1839, the Prophet Joseph Smith and Elias Higby visited with United States President Martin Van Buren in Washington, D.C. President Van Buren asked how our religion differed from others. Joseph responded that we differed in mode of baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. All other considerations, he felt, were contained in the gift of the Holy Ghost. My dear brothers and sisters, 181 years have now passed since that visit of the Prophet Joseph with President Van Buren. What Joseph taught then is still true today. The gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands is a great differentiator between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other churches. It is a central difference between having the blessings of the restored gospel in our lives and not having them. The gift of the Holy Ghost blessed the saints in 1839, and it blesses you today. In February 1847, the saints were in winter quarters preparing for their journey to the Salt Lake Valley. They were wrestling with a different, difficult doctrinal problem, and Brigham Young felt inadequate to solve it. One night, Joseph Smith, who had now been dead for over two and a half years, appeared to Brigham Young in a vision. Brigham explained the problem and asked Joseph if he had any counsel. Rather than answering the question outright, Joseph said, Tell the people to be humble and faithful and sure to keep the Spirit of the Lord. If they will, they will find themselves just as they were organized by our Father in heaven before they came into the world. Joseph continued, Tell the people to be sure to keep the Spirit of the Lord and follow it, and it will lead them just right. Years later, on April 19, 1893, a special meeting was held for all general authorities and stake presidencies in the recently dedicated Salt Lake Temple. By this time, Brigham Young had long since passed away, and Wilfred Woodruff was president of the Church. In this meeting, President Woodruff spoke of seeing Brigham Young and Heber Kimball in a vision. They were riding to a conference in a carriage and invited Wilford to join with them. Wilford got in the carriage and asked Brigham Young to speak. Brigham stated, I'm through with my preaching on earth, but I have come to impress upon your mind what Joseph had told me at winter quarters. That is, seek always to have the Spirit of God, and it will direct you aright. President Woodruff passed the same message to those in the meeting. Teach the people to get the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of the Lord and keep it with you, and you will prosper. Isn't it interesting that when these two great prophets, after having passed to the other side of the veil, had a chance to counsel their successors, both chose to emphasize the same message, keep the Spirit of the Lord. It was of great importance to the saints in 1847 and 1893, and it is equally important to us today. In the April 2018 General Conference, President Russell M. Nelson taught, 
In coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. My beloved brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Choose to do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Spirit more frequently and more clearly. From Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and Wilfred Woodruff to President Nelson, the central message is the same. Seek always to have the Spirit of God, and it will direct you aright. Do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost. Accordingly, a central effort of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has been to help each of us receive the Holy Ghost and follow its promptings. An important tool in this effort is the Sunday School organization. The Sunday School is the oldest formal teaching organization in the Church. The format of Sunday School and its classes have changed over the years, but its purpose remains the same, to bless the saints with the influence of the Holy Ghost. In the October 2018 General Conference, President Nelson announced an integrated curriculum to strengthen families and individuals through a home-centered and Church-supported plan to learn doctrine, strengthen faith, and foster greater personal worship. That curriculum is titled Come Follow Me. This announcement initiated a major paradigm shift in the Sunday School and in the way we study the gospel in our homes. President Nelson called it a new balance and connection between gospel instruction in the home and in the Church, explaining that we are each responsible for our individual spiritual growth. Why was such an adjustment needed? Why is it, in President Nelson's words, time for a home-centered Church? It is not because the Lord's purposes for His people have changed. It is because the conditions in the world are becoming more challenging. President Nelson explained, The long-standing objective of the Church is to assist all members to increase their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and in His Atonement, to assist them in making and keeping their covenants with God, and to strengthen and seal their families. In this complex world today, this is not easy. The adversary is increasing his attacks on faith and upon us and our families at an exponential rate. To survive spiritually, we need counter-strategies and proactive plans. Accordingly, we now want to put in place organizational adjustments that will further fortify our members and their families. Later in the same conference, President Nelson again referred to the new home-centered, church-supported, integrated curriculum and made these four promises to those who diligently work to remodel your home into a center of gospel learning. Your Sabbath days will truly be a delight. Your children will be excited to learn and live the Savior's teachings. The influence of the adversary in your life and in your home will decrease, and changes in your family will be dramatic and sustaining. With these promises in our hearts as Latter-day Saints, we begin a more home-centered study of the scriptures with the Come Follow Me resource as a guide. In 2019, we studied the New Testament. In 2020, the Book of Mormon, and this year we are studying the Doctrine and Covenants. In these efforts, our goal is conversion, the miracle of individual spiritual growth. 
It happens as we read the scriptures and feel the influence of the Holy Ghost. That spiritual influence changes our hearts and converts us to Jesus Christ and His gospel. This is the miracle we are seeking. Elder David A. Bednar taught, Everything the Savior's gospel teaches us to do and become is intended to bless us with the companionship of the Holy Ghost. Consider the reasons we are praying and studying the scriptures. Yes, we yearn to communicate in prayer with Heavenly Father in the name of His Son. And yes, we desire to obtain the light and knowledge available in the standard works. But please remember that these holy habits primarily are ways whereby we always remember Heavenly Father and His beloved Son and are prerequisites to the ongoing companionship of the Holy Ghost. Elder Bednar further taught, Praying, studying, gathering, worshiping, serving, and obeying are not isolated and independent items on a lengthy gospel checklist of things to do. Rather, each of these righteous practices is an important element in an overarching spiritual quest to fulfill the mandate to receive the Holy Ghost. The commandments from God we obey and the inspired counsel from Church leaders we follow principally focus upon obtaining the companionship of the Spirit. Fundamentally, all gospel teaching and activities are centered on coming unto Christ by receiving the Holy Ghost in our lives. So, with that in mind, and remembering how much our Latter-day Prophets have emphasized receiving the Holy Ghost, you might ask yourself, how have your scripture study experiences changed you? How have they increased the influence of the Holy Ghost in your life? How are they helping you hear the voice of the true shepherd? As I read the scriptures each week with Come Follow Me as a Guide, I write this question in my manual. What has the Holy Ghost taught me this week during my scripture study? Then I seek and write down the answers. I offer that question for your heartfelt consideration. Under the influence of the Holy Ghost, I see things in the scriptures that I might not otherwise see. Passages seem to jump off the page for my consideration. I also feel the influence of the Holy Ghost when I gain a new or deeper insight into a verse of scripture. These experiences cause me to rejoice. I feel joy and peace. My testimony grows. This year with you, I'm reading the Doctrine and Covenants. I'm also reading the Book of Mormon. I would like to share with you some passages that the Holy Ghost has brought to my attention in my recent study of the Scriptures. They may not be dramatic to you, but they are sacred to me. In the Book of Mormon, I read about Nephi and his brothers returning to Jerusalem where the Lord helped them obtain the brass plates. These plates contain many of the scriptures of the Old Testament, Nephi wrote. We had obtained the record which the Lord had commanded us and searched them and found that they were desirable, yea, even of great worth unto us, insomuch that we could preserve the commandments of the Lord unto our children. Wherefore, it was wisdom in the Lord that we should carry them with us as we journeyed in the wilderness towards the land of promise. When I read this, the Spirit taught me that the scriptures help us preserve the commandments of the Lord for our children today and into the future. 
It is wisdom in the Lord that we carry the scriptures with us in our daily lives as we journey through our wilderness of mortality toward our heavenly home. It was a great blessing for Nephi and his family to have, read, and apply the scriptures. It is an equal blessing for us today. Also in the Book of Mormon, in Ether 2, the brother of Jared sought the Lord's help to bring light into the vessels in which his family would cross the great deep. The Lord responded and put their upcoming voyage of faith in proper perspective. Behold, ye shall be as a whale in the midst of the sea, for the mountain waves shall dash upon you. Nevertheless, I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea, for the winds have gone forth out of my mouth, and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. And behold, I prepare you against these things, for ye cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea and the winds which have gone forth and the floods which shall come. While reading these verses, I was provided with understanding that the Lord knows what is coming, including the rains and the floods of our lives, and He is preparing us against these things. Indeed, we cannot cross the great deep of challenges in our lives unless the Lord prepares us against the waves and the winds and the floods. A significant part of that preparation comes by way of our scripture study with Come Follow Me as a Guide. Earlier this year, in Doctrine and Covenants section 3, we read about the loss of the first 116 pages of the Book of Mormon. I sorrowed as I tried to imagine the personal anguish that Joseph Smith and Martin Harris must have felt, but I felt great love in the words of the Lord to them. Remember, God is merciful. Therefore, repent of that which thou hast done, and thou art still chosen, and art again called to the work. My dear brothers and sisters, if we if we fail to exercise our faith and read the scriptures, it is as if the scriptures are entirely lost to us personally, and we forego the opportunity to invite the Holy Ghost into our lives. What a tragedy that would be. Never has a people lived on this earth with greater access to the scriptures than we have. It is a miracle. The Lord has provided this miracle because He knows the challenges we face in our day, and He wants us to receive the blessing of the influence of the Holy Ghost. He is our loving shepherd, and He wants to lead us to green pastures and still waters where He will restore our souls. These blessings are found in our personal experience with the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. The miracle happens at home. It occurs as each of us individually reads the scriptures and receives promptings from the Holy Ghost. I invite you to seek that experience in your personal scripture study. It will bless your life in a very meaningful way. In closing, let me share with you two ways that I hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. These are my personal experiences, and they have taught me how we can invite the Holy Ghost into our lives. First, read the scriptures with a particular focus on the Book of Mormon. It is wonderful to read a different book of scripture each year with Come Follow Me as a Guide, but we should never forget the blessing of reading the Book of Mormon daily. In April 2017, in the very last of his 249 general conference messages, President Thomas S. Monson said, I implore each of us to prayerfully study and ponder the Book of Mormon each day. As we do so, 
we will be in a position to hear the voice of the Spirit. In the next conference, October 2017, President Henry B. Eyring taught the importance of a daily experience with the Book of Mormon when he said, I have read the Book of Mormon every day for more than 50 years. In that same conference, President Russell M. Nelson said, My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life. I promise that as you daily immerse yourselves in the Book of Mormon, you can be immunized against the evils of the day, even the gripping plague of pornography and other mind-numbing addictions. I add my witness that reading the Book of Mormon daily brings heaven's blessings through the influence of the Holy Ghost. Second, pray with a humble willingness to listen and act in faith. I will illustrate this principle with a personal experience. My wife, Anne-Marie, and I were sealed in the Salt Lake Temple on November 21, 1978. We have now been married for over 42 years. Anne-Marie is a woman of great talent and faith. She is extraordinary in every way. Her husband is well-intentioned but just a regular guy. Through our marriage, we have had differences of opinion about various matters. This is not really surprising. We are different people from different backgrounds and see things from different perspectives. Nevertheless, early in our marriage, this was sometimes frustrating and difficult for both of us. At that time, I thought our differences were a weakness in our marriage. I have now come to realize that our differences are a strength. But those early days were challenging. When we disagreed, I usually concluded that the best solution was for Anne-Marie to change her mind. I am embarrassed to say that on occasion when I was unable to change my wife's perspective, I would pray and ask for Heavenly Father's help that He would do it for me. Well, as you can imagine, those prayers did not make much of a heavenly journey. I doubt they even reached the ceiling of our bedroom. With the passage of time and a bit more humility on my part, my prayers changed. I stopped asking Heavenly Father to change Anne-Marie. Instead, when I really desired Heaven's help, I would kneel in prayer with a pad of paper and a pen, and my prayer would be something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I sure love Anne-Marie. She means the world to me, and I am so grateful for her and our marriage. I desire to be a good husband. Recently, we have had a difference of perspective in a few areas. I approach Thee in prayer, seeking Thy direction. What can I do to make changes in my life that would bless our marriage? I am willing to change. I have paper and pen here so I can take notes. Please forgive me for my weaknesses and let me know what I can do to be better. That kind of prayer reaches heaven. Then I would pause my prayer and pick up the pen. As thoughts came, I'd write them down. There were often lots of thoughts. I would write and then pray and then pray and write. Heaven was close during those prayers as the Holy Ghost spoke to me in my mind and in my heart. Then when I got up off my knees, I went to work on the items on my list. As I did so, things always got better. Without fail, they always got better. Peace, unity, and love increased in our home and in our marriage. 
Heavenly Father knows how to bless and strengthen marriages and families. After all, the family is ordained of God. Praying with a humble willingness to listen and act in faith always brings heaven's blessings through the influence of the Holy Ghost. On August 8, 1844, the saints felt that divine influence. They knew the voice of the true shepherd. They heard him and they obeyed. They moved forward with faith, followed the prophet, raised their families in righteousness, and built Zion. Now, it's no longer 1844, but the need for us to hear the voice of the true shepherd has never been greater. His sheep still hear his voice. The influence of the Holy Ghost is available for us in our lives every day. As the prophets of this dispensation have taught, seek always to have the Spirit of God and it will direct you aright. Do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost. May you be blessed as you read the scriptures with Come Follow Me as a Guide. May the Book of Mormon be a daily blessing for you. May your prayers reflect a humble willingness to listen and then act in faith. May you rise up and follow the Lord's prophet. As you do so, no matter what the future may bring, the Holy Ghost will be your comforter and guide on the covenant path throughout your life. I testify of Jesus Christ, whose Church this is. I also testify of the divine gift of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Our theme today is Receiving the Spirit Through Study and Observance. We've just heard from Mark L. Pace. After the break, we'll return with David A. Bednar for Quick to Observe. This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Our theme today is Receiving the Spirit Through Study and Observance. Next is David A. Bednar, member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when this address was given, entitled Quick to Observe. Brothers and sisters, Susan and I are delighted to be with you here this morning. She and I have been enthusiastically engaged in university life for more than 30 years, and we love the young people of the Church. Time spent with you this morning for us is a sacred privilege. I now seek for and invite the assistance of the Holy Ghost as I speak with you about essential spiritual truths. In October of 1987, Elder Marvin J. Ashton, member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, spoke in general conference about spiritual gifts. I recall with fondness the impact his message had upon me at that time, and the things he taught then continue to influence me today. In his message, Elder Ashton described and detailed a number of less conspicuous spiritual gifts, attributes and abilities that many of us might not have considered being spiritual gifts. For example, Elder Ashton highlighted the gift of asking, of listening, of hearing and using a still, small voice, of being able to weep, of avoiding contention, 
of being agreeable, of avoiding vain repetition, of seeking that which is righteous, of looking to God for guidance, of being a disciple, of caring for others, of being able to ponder, of bearing mighty testimony, and of receiving the Holy Ghost. This morning I want to talk with you about another seemingly simple and perhaps underappreciated spiritual gift, the capacity of being quick to observe. I will also attempt to explain why appropriately seeking for this blessing is vitally important for you and for me in the world in which we do now and will yet live. All of us have learned important lessons from the central characters in the Book of Mormon. As we read about and study the lives of Nephi and Laman and Alma and King Noah and Moroni and many others, we discover things we should and should not do, and we realize more completely the kinds of people we should and should not become. In my study of the Book of Mormon, I have been especially impressed with a particular description of Mormon, the principal compiler of the Nephite record. The specific depiction of this noble prophet to which I would direct our attention this morning, is contained in the first five verses of the first chapter of Mormon. And now I, Mormon, make a record of the things which I have both seen and heard, and call it the Book of Mormon. And about the time that Amaron hid up the records unto the Lord, he came unto me, I being about ten years of age, And Amaron said unto me, I perceive that thou art a sober child, and art quick to observe. Therefore, when ye are about twenty and four years old, I would that ye should remember the things that ye have observed concerning this people. And behold, ye shall engrave on the plates of Nephi all the things that ye have observed concerning this people. And I, Mormon, remembered the things which Amaron commanded me. Now, brothers and sisters, please note that the root word observe is used three times in these verses. And Mormon, even in his youth, only ten years of age, is described as being quick to observe. As you study and learn and grow during your time as a university student, I hope you also are learning about and becoming quick to observe. Your future success and happiness will in large measure be determined by this spiritual capacity. Please consider the significance of this important spiritual gift. As used in the scriptures, the word observe has two primary uses. One use denotes to look or to see or to notice, as we learn in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 20. Seeing many things, but thou observest not, opening the ears but he heareth not. The second use of the word observe suggests to obey or to keep, as is evident in verse 6 of section 54 in the Doctrine and Covenants. But blessed are they who have kept the covenant and observed the commandment, for they shall obtain mercy. Thus, when we are quick to observe, we promptly look or notice and obey. Both of these fundamental elements, looking and obeying, are essential to being quick to observe. And the Prophet Mormon is an impressive example of this gift in action. 
I now want to present several examples of the lessons that can be learned when you and I are blessed to be quick to observe. I have a dear friend who served as a stake president. The patriarch in the stake over which he presided had experienced some health challenges and was unable to perform in his calling. The ailing patriarch had difficulty moving about, dressing and caring for himself, and his strength was limited. One Sabbath afternoon, this good stake president visited the home of the patriarch to encourage him and check on his well-being. As the stake president entered the home, he found the patriarch dressed in his suit and white shirt and tie, sitting in a recliner in the front room of his home. The stake president greeted the dear patriarch, and knowing how hard it must have been to dress himself, graciously suggested to the patriarch that it was not necessary for him to get dressed up on the Sabbath or to meet visitors. In a kind but firm voice, the patriarch reproved the stake president and said, Don't you know that this is the only way I have left to show the Lord how much I love him? The stake president was quick to observe. He both heard and felt the lesson, and he applied it. Reverence for the Sabbath day and the importance of respect and appropriate demeanor and dress took on added importance in the ministry of that stake president. The spiritual ability to see, to hear, to remember, and to act upon that lesson was a great blessing in his life and in the lives of many others. Before attending her sacrament meetings, Sister Bednar frequently prays for the spiritual eyes to see those who have a need. Often as she observes the brothers and sisters and children in the congregation, she will feel a spiritual nudge to visit with or make a phone call to a particular person. And when Sister Bednar receives such an impression, she promptly responds and obeys. It often is the case that as soon as the Amen is spoken in the benediction, she will talk with a teenager or hug a sister or, upon returning home, immediately pick up the phone and make a call. As long as I have known Sister Bednar, people have marveled at her capacity to discern and respond to their needs. Often they will ask her, How did you know? The spiritual gift of being quick to observe has enabled her to see and to act promptly and has been a tremendous blessing in the lives of many people. Your president, Elder Samuelson, participates each month in a Church Board of Education meeting in Salt Lake City. President Hinckley serves as the chair of that board. The counselors in the First Presidency, several members of the Quorum of the Twelve, and other general authorities and general auxiliary leaders also sit on that board. During my years of service at Brigham Young University, Idaho, I also was blessed to participate in monthly board meetings. At the conclusion of the June 2004 board meeting, President Hinckley called upon Elder David B. Haight to offer the benediction. It was the last board meeting in which Elder Haight ever participated. At the age of 97, he had some difficulty as he tried to stand and offer the prayer. After several attempts to rise to his feet, President Hinckley courteously said, David, it is all right, suggesting, I believe, that it was permissible for Elder Haight to remain in his chair and offer the prayer. 
Elder Haight responded in a voice that was both firm and appropriate and said, President, I must stand. There was simply no way that mighty apostle was going to sit and pray in the presence of the First Presidency and his colleagues of the Twelve. And of greater importance, he was not going to sit as he communicated with his Heavenly Father. So once again, Elder Haight worked to stand and was successful. I shall never forget the spirit I felt as I listened to Elder Haight pray. I hope on that occasion I was quick to observe a powerful lesson about the dignity and the humility that should always attend our prayers. In my present calling, I am blessed by Elder Haight's example and feel a deep sense of gratitude for what I saw and felt and learned that day. Sister Bednar and I are acquainted with a returned missionary who had dated a special young woman for a period of time. This young man cared for the young woman very much, and he was desirous of making his relationship with her more serious. He was considering and hoping for engagement and marriage. Now, this relationship was developing during the precise time that President Hinckley counseled the Relief Society sisters and young women of the Church to wear only one earring in each ear. The young man waited patiently over a period of time for the young woman to remove her extra earrings, but she did not take them out. This was a valuable piece of information for this young man, and he felt unsettled about her non-responsiveness to a prophet's pleading. For this and other reasons, he ultimately stopped dating the young woman because he was looking for an eternal companion who had the courage to promptly and quietly obey the counsel of the prophet in all things and at all times. The young man was quick to observe that the young woman was not quick to observe. Now, before I continue, I presume that some of you might have difficulty with my last example. In fact, this particular illustration of the young man being quick to observe may even fan the flames of controversy on campus, resulting in letters of disagreement and even outrage to the daily universe. <laughs> you may believe the young man was too judgmental or that basing an eternally important decision, even in part, upon such a supposedly minor issue is silly or fanatical. Perhaps you were bothered because the example focuses upon a young woman who failed to respond to prophetic counsel instead of a young man. <laughs> I simply invite you to consider and ponder the power of being quick to observe and what was actually observed in the case I just described. The issue was not earrings. Now, one final example. I have long been fascinated by the nature of the interaction between the Spirit of the Lord and Nephi found in 1 Nephi chapters 11 through 14. As you recall, Nephi desired to see and hear and know the things his father Lehi had seen in the vision of the Tree of Life. In chapters 11 through 14, the Holy Ghost assists Nephi in learning about the nature and meaning of his father's vision. Interestingly, 13 times in these chapters, the Spirit of the Lord directs Nephi to look, 
as a fundamental feature of the learning process. Nephi repeatedly was counseled to look, and because he was quick to observe, he beheld the tree of life, the mother of the Savior, the rod of iron, and the Lamb of God, the Son of the Eternal Father. I have only described a few of the spiritually significant things Nephi saw. You may want to study these chapters in greater depth and learn from and about Nephi's learning. As you study and ponder, please keep in mind that Nephi would not have seen what he desired to see. He would not have known what he needed to know. And he could not have done what he ultimately needed to do if he had not been quick to observe. Brothers and sisters, that same truth applies to you and to me. Quick to observe, prompt to watch and to obey, a simple gift that blesses us individually and in our families and extends blessings to so many other people. Each of us can and should strive to be worthy of the significant spiritual gift, even the capacity of being quick to observe. Let me now address the question of why the spiritual gift of being quick to observe is so vital for us in the world in which we do now and will yet live. Simply stated, being quick to observe is an antecedent to and is linked with the spiritual gift of discernment. And for you and for me, discernment is a light of protection and direction in a world that grows increasingly dark. Much like faith precedes the miracle, much like baptism by water comes before the baptism by fire, much like gospel milk should be digested before gospel meat, much like clean hands can lead to a pure heart, and much like the ordinances of the Aaronic priesthood are necessary before a person can receive the higher ordinances of the Melchizedek priesthood, so being quick to observe is a prerequisite to and a preparation for the gift of discernment. We can only hope to obtain that supernal gift of discernment and its light of protection and direction if we are quick to observe, if we both look and obey. President George Q. Cannon, who served as a counselor to four presidents of the Church, taught powerfully about the spiritual gift of discernment. Quote, One of the gifts of the gospel which the Lord has promised to those who enter into covenant with Him is the gift of discerning, a gift which is not much thought of by many and probably seldom prayed for. Yet it is a gift that is of exceeding value and one that should be enjoyed by every Latter-day Saint. Now, the gift of discerning of spirits not only gives men and women who have it the power to discern the spirit with which others may be possessed or influenced, but it gives them the power to discern the spirit which influences themselves. They are able to detect a false spirit and also to know when the Spirit of God reigns within them. In private life, this gift is of great importance to the Latter-day Saints. Possessing and exercising this gift, they will not allow any evil influence to enter into their hearts or to prompt them in their thoughts, their words, or their acts. They will repel it. And if perchance such a spirit should get possession of them, as soon as they witness its effects, they will expel it 
or in other words, refuse to be led or prompted by it. Close quote. Can you and I recognize how crucial this spiritual gift is in our lives today and how being quick to observe is a powerful invitation for the blessings of discernment? President Stephen L. Richards, who served as a counselor to President David O. McKay, has provided additional instruction about the nature and blessings of discernment. Quote, First, I mention the gift of discernment embodying the power to discriminate between right and wrong. I believe that this gift, when highly developed, arises largely out of an acute sensitivity to impressions, spiritual impressions, if you will, to read under the surface, as it were, to detect hidden evil, and more importantly, to find the good that may be concealed. The highest type of discernment is that which perceives in others and uncovers for them their better natures, the good inherent within them. Every member in the restored Church of Christ could have this gift if he willed to do so. He could not be deceived with the sophistries of the world. He could not be led astray by pseudo-prophets and subversive cults. Even the inexperienced would recognize false teachings in a measure at least. We ought to be grateful every day of our lives for this sense, which keeps alive a conscience which constantly alerts us to the dangers inherent in wrongdoers and sin. Close quote. As we integrate the teachings of Presidents Cannon and Richards, we learn that the gift of discernment operates basically in four ways. First, As we read under the surface, discernment helps us detect hidden error and evil in others. Second, and more important, it helps us detect hidden errors and evil in ourselves. Thus, the spiritual gift of discernment is not exclusively about discerning other people and situations. But as President Cannon taught, it is also about discerning things as they really are within us. Third, it helps us find and bring forth the good that may be concealed in others. And fourth, it helps us find and bring forth the good that may be concealed in us. Oh, what a blessing and a source of protection and direction is the spiritual gift of discernment. The teachings of Presidents Cannon and Richards concerning the power of discernment to detect hidden evil and to identify good that may be concealed become even more important to you and to me in light of a specific element of Lehi's vision. In the vision, various groups of individuals were pressing forward that they might obtain the path which led unto the tree of life. The straight and narrow path came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree. And the mist of darkness described in the vision represents the temptations of the devil, which blind the eyes of the children of men and lead them into broad roads, that they are lost. Now, please pay particular attention to verse 23 in 1 Nephi chapter 8. And let us now liken this scripture to our day and the challenges we face in an increasingly wicked world. 
And it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. I repeat again for emphasis the truth that discernment is a light of protection and direction in a world that grows increasingly dark. In these latter days, you and I can press forward safely and successfully through the mist of darkness and have a clear sense of spiritual direction. Discernment is so much more than recognizing right from wrong. It helps us to distinguish the relevant from the irrelevant, the important from the unimportant, and the necessary from that which is merely nice. The gift of discernment opens to us vistas that stretch far beyond what can be seen with natural eyes or heard with natural ears. Discerning is seeing with spiritual eyes and feeling with the heart. Seeing and feeling the falsehood of an idea or the goodness in another person. Discerning is hearing with spiritual ears and feeling with the heart. Hearing and feeling the unspoken concern in a statement or the truthfulness of a testimony or doctrine. I have frequently heard President Boy K. Packer counsel members and priesthood leaders that, quote, If all you know is what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears, then you will not know very much, close quote. His observation should help all of us to appropriately desire and seek for these spiritual gifts. Observing and discerning also enable us to assist others who are seeking to obtain the path and who desire to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. Blessed with these spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, we will not lose our way. We will not wander off. We will not be lost. And we can only hope to obtain the supernal gift of discernment and its light of protection and direction if we are quick to observe. As Alma taught his son Helaman, See that ye take care of these sacred things. Yea, see that ye look to God and live. My dear brothers and sisters, I declare my witness, even my special witness, that Jesus is the Christ, our Redeemer and our Savior. I know, I testify, I witness that He lives. And in the authority of the Holy Apostleship, I invoke His blessing upon each of you, that indeed you may desire to be and become quick to observe and truly discerning. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for an hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Receiving the Spirit Through Study and Observance with thoughts from Mark L. Pace and David A. Bednar. Find links to the full text, audio, and video of these addresses at byuradio.org slash findingcenter. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.